Welcome to the Next in Tech podcast, where we profile early stage Canadian tech companies that are change makers and disruptors in their respective industries. I'm your host, Sutan Sukumar, and my guest today is Andrew Graham. He's the co-founder and CEO of Borrowell, a leading fintech focused on disrupting personal finance. Andrew, welcome to the show. Great to, uh, great to, to be here. Thanks for having me. So Borrowell was founded in 2014. You've raised over 70 million in capital to date. Uh, you've grown your user base to well over a million users now, and that continues to rapidly grow. And as per Deloitte's Fast 50 rankings, you're one of the fastest growing tech companies in Canada. So very impressive progress to date. Andrew, can you can you speak to, you know, what was the core problem that you were initially trying to solve for consumers when you founded the company? And have there been any surprises along this journey? Sure, well, really, um, we founded the company with the goal of making personal finance. And at the start, we were really focused on, on credit. We wanted to make all of that more efficient. Um, I was working in banking before founding Borowell, and I was always really amazed at how many inefficiencies there were in consumer credit. So if you take credit cards, for example, it's about $100 billion of, of credit card debt outstanding in Canada at any given time. And a lot of that is uh, held by people with really good credit histories who um, you know, could theoretically access credit at much lower rates, but there's a certain ease, of course, to, uh, to using a credit card and holding debt that way. So that's just kind of one example of where there's, I think, opportunities to optimize and to help consumers um, optimize and, and ultimately save money, which you know, is more important than ever these days, given uh, all the economic challenges that we're all facing. Right, right. Uh, so what's your core product offering today, Andrew? Um, how has it evolved over time and how do you approach go-to-market? Sure. Uh, so when we launched the business, we were really focused on tackling the challenge of credit card debt that I, I mentioned a minute ago. Uh, and we offered a, a really a low-cost um, term loan uh, between $1,000 and $35,000. So we, so we were a, a digital lender to start um, and we would we would essentially originate and sell that credit. So we, we, would, we were really sort of focusing the origination and underwriting portion of that. We figured out pretty quickly that, uh, first of all, consumers had many needs beyond just term loans. And second of all, a lot of people really didn't know what their credit score was or what their, how they were viewed by banks uh, from a, and other financial institutions from a credit perspective. So we, we expanded pretty quickly um, uh, onto the idea of offering credit scores for free, which nobody in Canada had ever done. And so we did a deal with Equifax and became the first company in Canada to offer credit scores for free. And that's really become the the primary way that we begin a relationship with our with our members, uh, with the people that use our product, is by offering them you know, value for free, which, which they get through seeing their credit score with us. And we update that on a very regular basis. You can get your credit score and you also can see your credit report, make sure there's no errors there. So I, I really, that's that's where we start. We went from sort of offering a specific product, really becoming more of a platform where we offer credit scores for free, and then we recommend the best financial products for you from from you know the bulk of the Canadian market. We have many, many, uh, nearly all providers of financial products to consumers on our platform, and we can really try to tailor our recommendations based on a user's uh, credit profile uh, and financial goals, and and a whole host of other factors that we use. Um, to try to make that matching process as efficient as possible. Um, so that's that's the, you know that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years. You know, just recently we we launched a product called Borwell Boost, which we're really excited about. It helps 
consumers um, make bill payments on time. We know that for many, many families in Canada living who are living paycheck to paycheck, managing cash flow is a huge uh, challenge. So understanding that you know you get paid on the you know every other Friday, but your rent comes out on the first Thursday of a month. Well, making sure that you have enough cash in your account on that Thursday to be able to cover your rent payment. That's a real problem for many, many, uh, many families. So Borwell Boost is a way to sort of, you know, for us to connect to your bank account and using that data can predict when bills are going to become due and when you might be short of funds. So, you know, we're really trying to, you know, go, I think we are going beyond being that sort of platform where you connect it to other financial products to doing that and also providing uh, solutions that we're building ourselves for consumers. So starting to look more like a, you know, multi-product fintech or a neobank in some ways. Okay, so it's clear that you've been focused on expanding the, the scope of product offerings on your platform over time. Um, what are some of the, the priorities that are driving this product roadmap uh, today? And, and especially when you think about the impact of COVID-19 going forward. So, I mean, I think um, uh, really what we're trying to do is build a, uh, a set of services that are really going to help um, Canadians find more financial stability. So we know for many, many people, um, finding that financial stability, that, that sense of being in control of your finances is really hard. And by the way, that was really hard before uh, all the economic challenges created by, by COVID. And I think it's even harder now uh, with, you know, with unemployment up, um, uh, you know, many people working fewer hours, et cetera. So really what we're trying to do is how do you help people um, find that stability and be more in control of their finances? And instead of finances being a source of stress, uh, have it be an area where they, there's a more of a sense of control. And I think the first thing you need to do is provide you know, data like credit score to sort of say, you know, you're, look, you're doing well and here's how you can do better. Um, you do it by providing uh, an optimal set of financial services. So sort of saying, hey, you know, this loan you have, given that your credit score has gone up by 100 points in the last six months, you can now access a loan at an even lower interest rate. I think that's an essential part of the journey. And then as mentioned, you know, helping people by understanding when bill payments are due and then eventually doing other tasks like establishing, um, uh, you know, a base of savings uh, and then, you know, learning about everything that comes after that uh, and, you know, whether it's saving for retirement, investing, et cetera. I think we want to help people who are on that journey of finding stability to really, to really be able to accomplish it. Okay. Okay, good. Um, so Andrew, it looks like Borrowell's core business model is built around a, a freemium model. Uh, how do you guys approach monetization today on the platform? Sure. Well, it, it, today we it, it's exactly that. It's a, it's a freemium model. Um, you, you know, credit scores are free, credit reports are free, and and we're able to earn revenue when when we do a good job connecting a consumer to the right financial product. So, uh, you know, many banks, credit card issuers, other institutions see us as a great channel because we really can be very tailored in terms of who sees their product. So someone with a good credit score may see one set of products or see recommendations for one set of products. And, and as, as he or she gets stronger credit and moves up that, that credit ladder, we can help them understand what, 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 what cheaper um, or better products are then available to them. So uh, that's been, I think, a really, a really great way for us to monetize it. We really think our, our, um, you know, our interests are so well aligned with the interests of our partners and of our, of our members of the people who are using the product. Uh, that said, um, we do think there's opportunity to offer value add services, sort of premium services. 
and that's what we're doing with Boost. So Boost has a monthly subscription fee. Um, you know, we're offering, uh, as I said, very sort of advanced analytics that predict cash flow. And there's also an interest-free loan um, that's part of that, an interest-free advance that you can access really to help people, um, uh, you know, avoid missing bill payments, which we know is a major, major reason why credit scores go down. Okay, so over the course of the company's history, um, you've announced a number of partnerships. Um, could you speak to, you know, what role um, do these partners play in terms of building out your ecosystem and, and offerings on the platform? Uh, well, we've had lots of different kinds of partnerships. Um, I mean, I think the most common type today is, is as I said, we have, you know, all of, all of uh, Canada's big six banks um, on, on our platform offering pro- different products. And we have about 50 different financial institutions all told. Um, offering financial products on our platform and we really try hard to match um, products to, to consumers let consumers see what's best for them um, you know and then we've done other things in the past like we've, we've powered um, you know the free credits we're offering for a major bank uh, we have partnerships where um, different websites refer consumers to us so there's lots of different models out there but but at the core we want to we want to get connected to consumers where we whom we can help and and then uh, with financial providers who have great financial products that are really consumer friendly okay um so i want to touch on the competitive landscape uh you know there seems to be an ever-growing number of fintechs in the market today um, and there's several that also have a free credit score offering uh, andrew who do you consider to be your primary competitors today and and how do you focus on differentiating yourself yeah, look, we were the first to offer free credit scores in this market, and there's been other other companies that have have, um, have you know followed us there. Um, you know, and interestingly enough, I guess now what at least three of the of, of the big six banks offer free credit score to their to their customers. So I think I take that as real validation that that this is a service that many many consumers want. Um, you know, I I, uh, I really think in terms of the direction we're heading, which is using um, the I guess building would be a better word. Building on the relationship that that we establish with with our with our our customers, where where they get start the relationship with us, getting a free credit score, and then being able to offer value add services like Boost. I just don't think there's anyone else doing that. I mean, I think you've got you've got um, platforms, uh, especially U.S. based platforms that that are you know have achieved significant scale and success uh, by offering free credit score and just simply doing the referral step. And then you've got a lot of like point solution, product focused fintechs that are offering different products. We're really ultimately trying to do trying to do both, um, and we're really excited about that because we have we have such terrific engagement from our our base of customers who monitor their credit. You know, it provides us a uh, a, a really large audience, uh, you know, who help us understand what other needs they have, and and then ultimately we can we can uh, cross sell other products and services. Uh, in a way that that you know enhances their their financial lives and addresses concerns they may have. You know, in terms of your current market focus, it looks like Canada is really a core market. Is uh, global expansion potentially in the cards for the company? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we'd be we'd be crazy not to look at opportunities outside of this market. Um, uh, there's so much happening in the U.S. that that is really really exciting, uh, and a lot of the core problems that I mentioned whether it's the instability that comes from living paycheck to paycheck, I mean, that, that just exists uh, at a much, much larger scale in the U.S. So we're, we're carefully tracking that market uh, in particular. So you know, all that said, uh, I do think financial services is one of the verticals where you can build a multi-billion dollar company focused on the Canadian market. I mean, if you look at the 
market capitalization of our uh, large banks in this country, which are largely Canadian focused for the most part. Um, or even if you looked, you look at what uh, has been built by by brands like ING Direct uh, in their Canadian operations. I mean, that, that, that was a multi-billion dollar sale. We have a very deep and ultimately very profitable financial market here with a lot of consumers and, and businesses to serve. So um, while we certainly have our eye and have uh, global ambition, you know, we're not we don't take Canada for granted at all. And we think there's a lot that's attractive about about the uh, environment here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, in speaking with a number of fintechs in the market here, I really get the sense that Canada is a very unique and attractive market. And uh, you just reinforce that. You know, that said, do you see the market getting more competitive over time? Uh, do you see potential for the global fintech players to start building a, a greater presence here over time? I mean, I think we're seeing more and more uh, that that global, you know, non-Canadian fintechs are establishing themselves here and, um, uh, you know, building operations here and, and uh, look, always, always welcome more, uh, more competition. Uh, we've seen that in a few different uh, verticals in fintech. Okay. Um, so I want to touch on the, the regulatory environment next. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on what the Canadian government can be doing to ensure that the Canadian fintech ecosystem remains on the cutting edge? You know, we've been seeing more progressive policies towards open banking and, Kind of development of a broader fintech ecosystem in markets like the UK and Australia. What can the Canadian government uh, do more to foster that kind of innovation here? So, I mean, I, I think we've got governments at a, at a few different levels in Canada that 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 care a lot about innovation and want to see more, um, you know, domestic domestic headquartered uh, technology companies be be successful. I think that hasn't translated yet into into policy around um, you know fintechs. There's no sort of fintech strategy really, uh, you know, that, that's official in any sort of way at a federal level uh, or at a provincial level. Um, and I think there's a real, real, a real opportunity to do that. In terms of like concrete actions, there's a couple I'd point to. I mean, first of all, in open banking, Canada now is so far behind other parts of the world in terms of creating an open banking regime, which would allow consumers and businesses really to control their own data and control how data is held and shared by the financial institutions and fintechs they work with. This ultimately is about giving control to consumers and businesses. And Canada has just been really far behind in developing that compared to where the, U the UK is um, or Australia, for example. Uh, we, we just really, I fundamentally believe that consumers should have the right to um, uh, you know, own their financial data and uh, control it how they want to control it, that it's not up to the financial institutions or fintechs or, any, or anyone else to decide that. And in the absence of open banking, uh, you know, Consumers have to rely on technologies like screen scraping, which are just not as robust. They're not as secure. They're just not as good as, as, as what open banking would allow. So I would love to see more progress on that. It, it, you know, we've just had the consultations delayed uh, for, an unknown, you know, for a period of time. That, that's pretty discouraging. I, I think the second thing is, um, you know, so far in this crisis that we've had, uh, the federal government's put a lot of made a lot of uh, loans available uh, for small business, but unlike what's happened in other markets like the UK and uh, the US, and again Australia, there's been no opportunity for fintechs to deliver any of that lending. It's all gone through uh, big banks. I, I think now it's being expanded to to include uh, some other kinds of, of uh, you know large scale financial institutions. Um, but there's been no opportunity for technology companies who have you know thousands and thousands of small business customers to deliver uh, financial assistance to them, and I think that is just to me it's it's uh, it's just a real lost opportunity. 
it'd be a chance to get um, uh, loans out the door more quickly to businesses that need them uh, and deliver that government assistance. And also it would support Canada's fintech industry. So it's, it's a real lost opportunity that we're not doing that. I hope that by the time um, this recording uh, is out in the world, this has been fixed. I would love that to be the case. But, but sitting here today, that it's not fixed. And, and that's a source of real, uh, real concern and disappointment for me. So we need a much bigger focus on this, in this country on, on you know, doing what it takes to build a world-leading fintech cluster. And by the way, I, I, that's not only a good thing because we'll, then we'll have more sort of you know, fintech companies employing people, creating jobs, creating wealth, all, et cetera. If we want a financial services sector that is uh, world-leading, that is innovative, that is strong in the long term, if we want our banks to stay strong versus global competitors, we need, they need to, to exist in an ecosystem that has fintech companies in them. I, I believe that very strongly, that if you want to be successful as a large company, you need to be you know, interacting, partnering with, in some cases acquiring, uh, fast-moving, nimble technology companies that are bringing new sources of ideas and innovation to you. I think there's, that lesson is so clear from other industries. So for the good of uh, you know, our financial sector, we need to encourage fintechs in Canada. And I, I just, um, we, we need to up our game. Okay, great. No, that's, that's fantastic. You know, I think you touched on some really key points there. Uh, with the FI specifically, Andrew, you know, you already work with every major bank here. So, you know, I kind of see you being on the front lines. You know, what are your thoughts on how the sentiment and culture is changing at the big banks in terms of uh, embracing this type of change and, um, you know, being more open in working with fintechs like yourself? Um, so, you know, look, I, I think it, th that's a, it's a complicated question because there's so many different financial institutions, um, who are at different stages in, in their evolution. I, I think, I think, um, certainly there's, I don't think you'd ever meet a, a bank CEO or, or, you know, who, who would not say that technology or innovation has got to be core to their strategy. I think, I think that's clear to everybody. I think what's been, what's been challenging, um, for some organizations is that you need to sort of build other muscles to partner with fintechs. Um, and that shouldn't be your whole innovation strategy, but I think many U.S. banks and global banks have shown that part of a integrated in, um, strategy for innovation, you're going to do some of that in-house, but you're also going to be out there partnering, trying new things, seeing what the cutting edge is in, in fintech. And I think those are muscles that, that many of our uh, larger financial institutions are, are at different stages of developing. And I, I would love to see that um, that advanced, uh, it, you know, and again, things like open banking uh, would would an open banking framework would really help with that. Andrew, how are you thinking about some of the key drivers for growth longer term? Um, you know, is it broader diversification outside of consumer lending? Is it more partnerships? Is it is it more value added services? Yeah, I'm just kind of, kind of curious how you're thinking about that. You know, so we continue to onboard you know thousands and thousands of new uh, new. Uh, you know, consumers every week and, and, and provide, uh, show people their, their credit score in many cases for the first time. And, and then we're building a lot of new, new products. I just, uh, I mentioned that we announced uh, that we just recently launched Borwell Boost, which we're really excited about. And we've got a really a strong pipeline of, of exciting things that we're going to be building and, and releasing into the world, you know, in the coming months and years. And, um, uh, you know, we're, we're in the early, early innings of this and I, I'm just really excited for all the opportunity that, that we have to, um, you know, to, to help our our customers uh, find that financial stability uh, in a variety of ways, and and um, uh, especially in times like this, when 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 there's economic challenges, I, I think we can we can you know show that technology can really help people. 
So, you know, industry consolidation has been uh, kind of a key theme in the fintech space with, you know, many large M&A transactions recently, like the, the Credit Karma Intuit one, uh, which is kind of right uh, in your space, do you see opportunity to to acquire competitors uh, or adjacent platforms, or do you see an opportunity to be acquired by a larger entity that might be looking to make a bigger push into consumer um, and, and digital? I mean, we're super excited about what we're building and where we're at on the journey. So we're we're um, uh, you know b- being acquired certainly is not not a, you know at the forefront of, of my mind at all. We're always um, on the lookout for great companies that are building uh, building things um, that that are going to be uh, compelling for our, our members. So um, you know that, that's that's certainly something that we acquiring um, uh, you know great products and great teams. Uh, it, it's always something that we uh, that, that that we're open to and that we're thinking about. Andrew, I think we're coming up on time here. So I just want to say thank you uh, for taking the time to share the Barwell story. It's really impressive to hear the story behind what you've built and, and really how you're executing on the significant and evolving market opportunity ahead. Yeah, I look forward to following the story and I wish you all the best. Well, look, thanks so much for having me and for, uh, for profiling um, FinTech in Canada. It's, uh, it, there's so, much, so many exciting things happening and, and uh, great, to be, uh, great to be here.